That was the weekend. I can't feel my face. That was a very good halftime singing performance. I don't know about the actual execution, about walking through the hallway and all that. So that's just me from my taste. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Now, I know what all of you are thinking. You all think I'm an emotional wreck because of Tom Brady winning his seventh. I'm going to say it again, his seventh Super Bowl and that I was wrong and that I'm a, a bona fide hater and that I'm, I made some garbage takes. Okay. Uh, you know, if, if I didn't, if I wasn't pursuing this career of being in sports media, I think I'd be a pretty good actor, not going to lie. Because I am trying to hold in as of the mental and financial drain I had of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this year. But I'm going to hold it in for the audience today for, um, for this. So before, I, before I'm going to throw roses at Tom, before I'm going to admit I was wrong, before I'm going to just let it all out there, I'm, I'm going to be – before I get to him, I'm going to do that in just 90 seconds here, okay? I'm going to talk about Todd Bowles, the MVPs of this game. Besides Brady, were two people, and that were Byron Leftowich and Todd Bowles. First, I'm going to start with Todd Bowles. That was probably the finest defensive effort against an explosive offense I've seen, not just in the Super Bowl, but in the postseason in a very long time. You can go along to the likes of how Bill Belichick was a defensive coordinator for the Giants against the Bills and the K-Gun offense. You could look back at to you could look back at Buddy Ryan and the and the eighty five Bears defense. You can look at so many different things. This is probably the best job I can remember a defensive coordinator do against against um, one of the greatest offenses ever. This defense that Todd Bowles did. Now I knew they would gain pressure, but of, of the Chiefs earlier in the game, I just didn't think they could sustain it for four quarters. And they had an opening without Patrick Mahomes' two best offensive linemen, which were Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. And they got after him. I give them a ton of credit. They adjusted very well since the first time these two teams played. Now, typically, the losing, in my opinion, the losing team that lost the, the, the game before typically had an advantage because they knew what weaknesses they needed to fix going into this game and they executed it and they Todd Bowles brought off amazing man coverage they played Tyreek Hill incredible like Antoine Winfield was after him and and so many and and Carlton Davis got 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 on Tyreek Hill. It was great. They held the Tyreek Hill to I think one catch in the first half, and they held Tyreek to to seventy three yards. That was amazing, and, and and they got after Mahomes. They made things very uncomfortable for him. That was prob that was probably that that was definitely the best defense I've ever seen anyone play among Mahomes. Because I'm a Mahomes fan, and I, I watch all his games. 
he had uh, probably not probably definitely the worst performance of his entire career. They for uh, that was the best job I've ever seen anyone over Patrick Mahomes. They for they made life so much difficult for him that he was essentially running for his life. He was running for his life, and he made he made some amazing efforts with the sidearm throws. And I saw on Instagram it was comparing to Ben Stiller from Dodgeball how he was just. <sighs> You know, he was just lunging and trying to throw it, trying to muster up something. The poor guy was running for his life. And I just felt so bad for Patrick Mahomes. But And even when he had some pressure... When he when he had some... When he said zero... Pro, when he had... Where, sorry. When there were times where there was no pressure, when he could just throw it, a, a nice open strike to Tyreek or Kelsey, he missed them. And Hardman, he missed them. So I give the Bucks Todd Bowles so much credit for his defensive um, schemes that he ran on Patrick Mahomes. They went they went cover two, and they did man coverage, and it worked. And the defense on Tyreek Hill was phenomenal. Antoine Winfield Jr. played absolutely phenomenal defense. He's been their unsung hero the entire season. And I saw at the end when he did the peace sign to Tyreek. I mean... I'm going to be honest with you, Tyreek kind of deserved it because that was a little disrespectful during week 12 when Tyreek did the peace sign and backflipped into the end zone. And the backflip, by the way, catapulted the Bucks to eight straight victories. So, I mean, Tyreek had it coming. He had it coming. So, I don't have any problem with what Antoine Winfield did. And I thought that their defense... Well, on on Travis Kelsey was great. I mean, he had 10 catches for 133 yards, but they were all over him whenever he had a chance to catch the ball. Levante David played unbelievable defense on on Travis Kelsey. He was all over him. And that Bucks defense is going to be a problem for years to come. Levante David, Shaq Barrett, JPP, uh, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr., that defense is and Sue, that defense is for real, and I give them a lot of credit. Now on Byron Leftowich's side, the offensive coordinator for Tampa, Byron Leftowich called a great game. He installed he and Brady had a good plan after and they knew that it was gonna be a chess match between Brady and between those two against Steve Spagnola and the defensive coordinator, the Chiefs defense. And I give them a ton of credit. They, whenever they didn't see an option down the field, they would throw a quick short screen pass. Whenever they, whenever they went to a good formation, the Chiefs did, they would decide to run the ball and trust Leonard Fournette. They would find the open man as good as they could. And I give Byron Leftowich and Todd Brady, Tom Brady credit. They, they knew, they knew what Steve Spag, they knew what Steve Spagnola was going to do as far as they're going to go blitz. Steve Spagnuolo loves to blitz. They, they, he loves to get after Brady. And Brady adjusted to it. And Steve Spagnola, who I normally really like as a defensive coordinator, just he didn't he, he did not do a good job calling the defense in this game. Because he had multiple there were multiple times where they could have gotten stops on Brady and maybe adjusted to it, but they couldn't. They stuck with the same scheme the entire time. And that, unfortunately, was the case, in my opinion. Okay, now I'm going to discuss Tom Brady. 
I, I said it would be 90 seconds before I got into Brady. It was a lot longer, but I, I need to give them credit. I'm sorry about that. Okay. Say what you will about Tom Brady. Whether you love him or whether you hate him, I will say this publicly. He is arguably... Tom Brady's the greatest champion in sports. There, I said it. Maybe it was a lack of consciousness on my part. Maybe it was maybe it was someone else in my brain talking. Maybe, but in my opinion, as of as of right now, barring some other athlete athlete somehow emerging, Tom Brady's the greatest athlete in sports. What he has done is unprecedented in sports history. At forty three years of age, he in his first year in Tampa. Taking over a team that went seven and nine the year before, learning a whole new system, getting pushed out the back door in New England, and no one expect and and people saying he's he's all over the hill. It's time for him to go. Tom proved everyone wrong. He proved that as long as he kept staying in shape, as long as he still committed to himself mentally and physically on a daily basis. That he and as soon as he took over any team, that he was the system, and it's incredible. Bill um Bill Russell won eleven rings, and he never got a chance to win without without Boston and Red Auerbach and that and that team. And you could and and you could say the same thing about like Michael Jordan about how he was with Phil Jackson and he didn't win without Phil and didn't win before Phil. You could say that. As great as MJ was, he I, and I love him. He tried to do it with the Washington Wizards, tw- and he and he was still good, still averaged twenty a game, but wasn't the same. Tom Brady is just like LeBron in this sense. I know I might get roasted for mentioning LeBron in this, but two seconds here. He's like LeBron in this case is that wherever they go, they are the system. Like well, Le- LeBron, people thought, oh, he was part of the Miami culture. He's with Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, went to Cleveland, won a ring. And then he went to the Lakers, he won a ring. Wherever he went, he was the system. Tom Brady, people thought all these years, oh, it was Belichick. Oh, it was the system, this. He would not have won without Belichick. It, he was in the perfect situation. Well, he proved all these naysayers wrong. That wherever he went... He was going to build a championship-winning culture, and that would follow. And just like how Gronk followed him the year after he retired, just like how A.B. decided to go to Tampa, just like how Leonard Fournette decided to go to Tampa, just like how all these weapons decided to go to Tampa, and, all, and they wanted to go because of number 12, because of what Tom, because of Tom Brady. And, and I've never seen anything like this. At 43, he's still at the top of his game. And what's crazy about it is that when you're 43 or typically like that, you're on the downside of your career. Well, Tom Brady said after the game, I'm coming back. He said after, I'm, I'm, we're just going to get better. Because he adapts to this game very well. And I give him, and, and he knows and he's trying to stay ahead, trying to stay right. He And he knows that there's nothing else he'd rather be doing besides playing the games he loves the most. And that's what Tom loves to do. 
and, and get and Tom is the greatest because of it. I, I mean, just what and Peyton Manning, even when he won a Super Bowl with Denver, I mean, he clearly wasn't the same what he used to be. He was surrounded in a great situation. Tom was in a great situation, yes. But he still looks like he still is amazing. And it's rattling to me how Tom is still doing this at this age where people think he's over the hill. People thought that he should just hang it up. I'll admit, I'm not going to be hypocritical here. I kind of thought that at this time he should go. And I said that he has all these weapons and he wasn't able to make the most out of nothing New England. I've, I've criticized him a lot on certain games this year because I was trying to be objective about it. But to be honest with you, I think that was more of just knowing a new system and the fact that he had no preseason games and virtual OTAs. And it takes time to learn this new offense. It takes time to adjust in this new with new teammates. And I give Tom credit. It worked. And... I'll be objective here. I'm not going to grade based off of what he did in the past this year and what he's done in the past in general. I'm going to be – I'm just going to look at it objectively, okay? I give Tom Brady an A for his performance last night because whatever, wherever the, the defense gave to him, Brady executed it. Whenever he saw Gronk, the, the throw he had to Gronk was the best – when they went up 14-3 to was his best throw of the night. He had a lot of mustard on it. And I said, whenever the Chiefs wanted, wanted, whenever he saw something what the Chiefs did, he decided to go blitz. He, just, he, saw, he decided to go to screen. He decided to go motion. And it worked. And the turning point in this game, in my opinion, of which I knew that the, that the Chiefs, that the Bucks were going to win this game, was 14-6. to And Brady, usually towards the end of the half, he loves to take shots down the field. And then... Um, I one of the defensive players for the Chiefs, I forgot who, I think it was Ward, got flagged for tripping Mike Evans. And then there was another pass interference call in the end zone. And then Brady found A.B. in the end zone for a touchdown. I mean, I, and that was a turning point. And that was very disappointing on Andy Reid's part to call a timeout to give, uh, to give Brady a chance to score. And I blame that on Andy Reid. He's never been the best at clock management, in my opinion. So, I give the Chief, I give the Chiefs. I'm sorry. I give the Bucks credit for executing that, and I give Tom for, with his amazing football IQ, willing to um, capitalize on that. So, kudos to Tom. And as far and as far as this goes, I mean, this is arguably. This is arguably the greatest, one of the greatest accomplishments in sports. I mean, you're 43, 43 years old. You get pushed out the back door in New England. You build a winning culture in Tampa, and you win your first year without Belichick. And you have seven rings. I'll say this. As far as greatest athlete goes, I'm not going to close the book on that because I still think this guy in the Lakers that I mentioned all the time still can get that title. But as of right now, I will say this. Tom Brady is the greatest champion ever. I would take him as the greatest champion over Bill Russell because Bill Russell played in an era in which he was bigger than everyone and it was like BC-like era. 
Tom Brady is in a level playing field for his sport, and he won with two franchises. And what's crazy about this is why I think he's the undisputed GOAT. He has more Super Bowls than any franchise does. He has more than the Steelers, more than the Cowboys, more than the Niners, you name it. He has more Super Bowls than any of those franchises. And I give him credit. And more than the Patriots, yes, of course. So, I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, fair is fair. I'm eating a slice of apple, of humble pie, and I'm eating, for breakfast I had some, I was eating humble pie, and I was eating crow today. There was no, there was no doubt about that. I was wrong about Tom. I was wrong. I was not the only one wrong, but I was wrong. So, congratulations to Tom Brady on winning ring number seven. Okay. So, now that I've talked about Tom Brady, I'm going to talk about my favorite quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. I, I'm, I Listen. I'm 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 not again just like how I graded Tom Brady. I'm not grading him based off of his past. I'm not grading him based off of certain games this year. I'm not, I'm only determining from what I see from the test he took to me just recently. This is and I I first of all I love Mahomes. I love him. Okay. I think it's very unfair to just write him off as the goat as of right now. I still think he has a lot of football left. I think he's a great guy. I think he has tremendous upside still, despite the, the weapons surrounding him, despite the O-line, despite that head coach. I still think he has a lot of potential and a lot more years to play. And I think he's going to be still be the best quarterback in football. But as of right now, what I'm telling you this, I'm going to talk about his performance last night on a letter grade scale from A to F. I give him an F. Look, I'm just call it like how I see it. I don't bias towards certain teams. I don't bias toward. I'm not biased towards certain players. I'm not biased towards certain athletes. I'm not biased towards certain coaches or anything like that. I'm just telling you like how I see it. I give Patrick Mahomes an F. Now, I'm not going to say it was all his fault because, again, I've said this. Todd Bowles in the defense, you know, if Brady could could win Super Bowl MVP, I'm sure if you ask him, he would carve up the that, that Super, Super Bowl MVP into tiny little pieces and give to every single other player and Todd Bowles on the defense. Their defense was phenomenal, okay? And yes, I understand that Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher were out. But, and I understand that certain plays Mahomes was running for his life and he showed a ton of guts out there. But I'm going to be honest with you. That was that was not a good perform that was a bad performance. That was probably the that was probably the worst game of his entire career. Because there were multiple chances where they could have early on when even though they went they started off the game up 3 nothing where they could have capitalized. They could have adjusted to certain things that the that the Bucks were giving them. But no. And I, but no, Patrick Mahomes, whenever he had a little bit of time, he missed Tyreek. He missed Kelsey. He was missing wide open passes. 
He was scrambling for his life. He threw. He made some overthrows. He, even though there were a couple catchable balls where Kelsey, when it went to Kel, off of Kelsey's helmet and Tyreek's helmet, he could have gotten those. He could have gotten those completions with a little bit of time in the pocket. He could have converted. And I'm gonna. And towards the end, one of their their last possession where he threw that interception in coverage. That that was a bad read on his part. Now. I and unfortunately when they were behind down 21 to 6 they could have made some adjustments. He could have gotten them back in the game, but he didn't. This was not Jimmy G that he was going up against where Jimmy G threw 3 for 11 for 36 yards in the fourth quarter. This is Tom Brady. And unfortunately, he was not able to rise to the challenge whenever Brady got to a, got that big lead, Mahomes didn't make adjustments. And he missed wide open throws. He made it, he made he threw for 156 yards in the fourth quarter, but that was more of empty calorie yards to get him back in the game when the defense was tired. So when there was not that one play that I saw from Mahomes that made me want that made that was gonna change the the momentum of the game. There was not that one play, unfortunately. So I, I can't just like, I can't, I'm not going to say it was all his fault, but I'm not going to, to give him a pass for it either because he, he didn't show up when he needed to the most. And when they, they got down from behind, you know, whenever I watched all the Chiefs games, when, when I, whenever I could, and throughout their playoffs run last year when they got down behind 24 nothing and got down 10 on two occasions against the Titans and getting down 10 to the Niners in the, in the Super Bowl, they at least, those teams that year, they had swag, like, but despite being down from behind. They had the confidence that they could pull this off. And even against the Bills when they were down 9 to nothing, they, they were fine. They bounced back. I did not see that with with the Chiefs this with the Chiefs in the Super Bowl when they were down from behind. You saw um, Tyron Matthew, the heart and soul of the Chiefs, when he went after Brady and when he was heated and when he was heated at the coaching staff when he was heated in general, he wasn't able to pick him back up. And Mahomes on the offensive side of the ball, he didn't. He I looked at his body language. He didn't say say to the guys, "All right, let's go, let's fall, let's let's bounce back from this, let's adjust." No, he didn't do that, unfortunately. Which pains me to say. And Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, I'm big fans of them. I think they're great offensive minds, and I still think it's a shame that Eric Bieniemy does not have a head coaching job. But I'll give. But I'm gonna call it like I see it. They got out coached. They didn't adjust to what the defense was giving them. They they did they didn't do that. And I was very disappointed in their coaching in their coaching last night. And I was very especially disappointed in Andy Reid with his play calling and his horrible clock management throughout the game. I've never been a fan of his clock management, so that's something they need to clear up. Mahomes, on the other hand, Man, I felt bad though because he was running for his life on certain plays. He threw some amazing throws that could that almost was was caught, and I I feel bad for him. But he'll be back. I'm sure of it. He'll be back. Maybe not next year with going back to the Super Bowl, but in general, 
Mahomes is going to bounce back. He's a tough kid. He'll he'll be resilient. I think this Chiefs team will bounce back. Now I'm going to talk about the exchange between uh, Tyron Matthew and Tom Brady. So towards the end of the half, I think Bra- I don't know how it started. I wasn't solely focused on that. I was just solely focused on the game itself and the execution-wise. I didn't really pay attention to that at first glance. But the more I saw it, I think Tyron Matthew, what he said was that, I mean, Brady called him, he tweeted this, but then he deleted it, about how Brady called him something he didn't like, and then and then Matthew did the finger-pointing at Brady, and then Brady approached him after, and the flag was on Tyron Matthew. That was, it was if it was just on him, if you're going to give him a flag, that's fine, but I think you should give at least Brady a flag too for Brady going after Tyron Matthew because usually the the second guy gets caught. When one guy runs over to the other guy to confront him, that guy deserves a penalty too. So in my opinion, I think both of them should have gotten flagged. And I think maybe, and believe me, I know that Honey Badger and Tom have great respect for each other. I think this was just the heat of the moment thing. And I think when Brady threw that pass to to AB, I think a, he didn't like how Brady uh, Matthew didn't like how Brady was attacking him and was throwing over the top over him. I think Matthew was just fed up with it. So I think maybe he was doing that to AB and that's why Brady got into it with him. I think that was probably just the heat of the moment type of thing in my opinion. But in general, I mean, I I can't just I mean they they're just it's a competitive nature. I think I, I think that their two competitors just want to go at it. And Tom, he is psycho Tom. He seems like this nerdy, corny guy, like in the media, but when he's on the football field, he's a whole different beast. You know, it's like Jim Carrey from Me, Myself and Irene with or with uh, or James McAvoy in split. With the multiple personality. He seems like one person in general, but when there's a switch Brady, with his competitive fire, will go after uh, Tyron Matthew. So I, I give, I, I, I think it's just a competitive nature flowing. And I'll say this in general. They, I, I think there were some flags that the, that the Chiefs did deserve because I read a stat that they were the fourth most penalized team in the league. But if you're going to throw... If you're gonna throw that flat that those flags those flags on them, at least let them at least throw a flag that's very obvious. Because there were certain I'm not saying this would have impacted the game. I'm not gonna be one of those salty Brady haters that said, Oh my god, the flat the refs rigged it because of Brady. I'm not gonna do that. But there were some pretty much ticky tack calls that were called during the game because I expected this to be like the NBA officiating in the playoffs. Like how, like how you just let things go, how it's a physical game and you're not going to get the calls you were getting in the regular season. I expected it to be that kind of atmosphere, but if you watch this game very, very closely, there were some ticky tack calls. I'm not going to lie. I think one of them being this holding call, I think Ward on Mike Evans, when that play, ironically, Honey Badger intercepted that pass from Tom Brady. 
and that got called for a holding call. Okay, that's a bad call because they were not even near the play, and Brady didn't even throw it near to Mike Evans. That should have been a call. Uh, that should have been a flag thrown. And that pass in the end zone to Cameron Brate, I didn't really think that was a flag either. That was a ticky tack call. And I'm gonna get to the offsides call on the on the on the Chiefs. I, I forgot who was offsides uh, when Suckup made made that field goal. But to be honest with you. That that was you. You rarely call an offsides on the defense when there's a field goal happening. Like everyone gets lined up offsides. That that's that's a that's a that's a ticky tack call. And there was and the trip on Mike Evans. I, I will give you that is a flag. That should have been a flag. But there were just so many of them in which you know you cannot. I mean it's the it's the Super Bowl. You don't have to call it. I think that the refs were being a little too ticky-tack, in my opinion, for my taste. I would have let some play out. I think that Mike Evans won. I will give you. That was a flag. But in general, I thought it was a pretty... I thought it was... I thought it was a fine officiating game otherwise, but I would have called those, in my opinion. I would have... I wouldn't have called those. Okay, now I'm going to ask, get into this, into this debate real quick before I move on to my next segment with my guest, uh, Sam Tenaglia, the host of the Waldron Deck Tailgate Podcast, who's going to be on this next segment after I talk about this. So this is between, between Brady and Belichick. I, I hear this all the time, like, oh, it was all Brady and it was not because of Belichick. In my opinion, I've said this on with on my picks podcast with that with um with Adam Pearl, and we talk, we both agreed it's very unfair to just write Bill Belichick off at, and say it was not bec- it was had almost that had little to do with him and it was all because of Tom. I mean, Tom is not out there playing def- wasn't playing defense for the Patriots or the Bucks. Belichick is a is one of the greatest defensive minds ever. And you can make an argument he's been exposed as of the last few years with his team building. Yes, I think that he's definitely on the hot seat as far as team building goes. Not as the coach per se, but as the team builder, you can make a case that he's not a great team builder. Although I thought he's built some great defenses and some really great teams. So it's unfair to write Belichick off on that end. But to say that that it was all mostly because of Tom and and how Tom camouflaged Belichick's in general as the coach. That's very unfair. Belichick's an unbelievable defensive mind, and you, we can't just write him off on him not having as great of a team as Brady did, or at least a championship contender like Brady did. Because I truly do think that Belichick, I'm not going to write him off yet as far as him building a Super Bowl contending team. People want to say that Matthew Staff that the, that no one wants to go to New England and Matthew and they want to focus on what Matthew Stafford said about there's one place I wouldn't go to which is the Patriots when each when he on the teams he wanted to be traded for. But I mean Matthew Stafford as great of a player he was he's not a champ he would never want a ring he didn't have any rings to, or luggage to bring to him didn't win any MVPs or didn't win any playoff games to bring to Belichick. 
So it's very unfair to we, we're just going to write off Belichick as of right now as far as it's a clear-cut no slam-dunk debate that Brady's the GOAT, that, that Brady was the reason that the Patriots were successful. It's very unfair. And Brady said on Howard Stern's show, he wouldn't, I would not have been as successful without him, and he wouldn't have been successful without me. Brady was also put in an amazing situation. He was put in the best situation possible. He chose Tampa because of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and that rising and up-and-coming defense. He was in a better situation. I think if you maybe put them both on a level playing field, that Belichick maybe was a better team builder. Not a better team builder, but maybe have picked better groceries. And, and maybe if it was a more of a level playing field, maybe we could maybe have a more fair, maybe the media could be a lot more fair and, and both-sided as far as just, just a one-sided unilateral decision on who, on who was the, mo- the most responsible for the success. So I think it's very unfair to just so- all of a sudden just write Belichick off I do think that there. I do think that Belichick. You got to give Belichick at least a couple more years to see what he can do. If you, if he in two more years, the Patriots all of a sudden suck or in the lottery, or the fact that they're not going to, they have they they're not going to make the playoffs or whatever the case is, then maybe we can we can do that. But as in this moment. Belichick, it's, I think that it's so, in the moment, it's easy to say that it was all Brady, but Brady was in a better position to succeed than Belichick was. Belichick, you can't write him off for his defense for his entire career. You can't write off the fact that of the do-your-job mentality. He is still a great coach. He just picked some very weak groceries. And I think the reason why Tom left was also because of the fact that he didn't have enough weapons to make him succeed on the offensive side. Brady had that one great offensive offensive weapon year where he had Wes Welker and Stallworth and and one of the great and one of the top five greatest receivers ever in Randy Moss. So that's why he was in the best position to succeed. But we can't just write Belichick off as far as it was a no no debate there. You got to give Belichick credit. I mean, when when Kawhi Leonard won the won the the championship with the Raptors, do we ever say that Greg Popovich was discarded? And do we ever say that that Popovich? Whoa, my God, Kawhi camouflage Greg Popovich? No. When Phil Jackson won those rings with the Lakers, do we ever um, say that? Oh, it was all Phil and not because of Michael. No, we never said that. So it's very unfair to just all of a sudden just pile on Belichick and just say it was not all because of it, not all because of him. I mean, that's very unfair to just say that. We got to see how time adjusts and how this marinates over time. I do think that the I do think that when the time comes, I do think that Maybe Belichick can build a Super Bowl winning team in a couple years. Uh, let's just say this. Let's see when the next couple years, when Tom um, finishes out his career in Tampa, and we'll see how in the next couple years how Belichick 
um, does as the rest of the team builder and in New England, and then we can have a more appropriate discussion. But as of right now, no, I, I, I think I think you got to give Belichick time for him to to develop his team building skills, and and we'll see what he could do in the next couple of years. As we'll see how Brady could do the next couple of years. Because who knows? Maybe New England could shock everyone and win the Super Bowl next year. I don't know. Let's just see how this plays out. Uh, one final thing before we go into the next segment. People ask this. How long will Tom Brady play? He said at one point he would consider playing past 45. I'll say this. Okay, I'll be honest here. I am 90% sure he's going to play until he's 45 years old. He's coming up on 44 years old in August. I think he's going to play until until he's 45 because they're going to get – I think they'll get better next year as far as defense goes. We'll see what Shaq Barrett does. I think Chris Godwin, there's a good chance he might leave because of the fact that he's – he wants his money – I think A.B. will stay for a cheap deal. I think Gronk will stay. I think Scotty Miller is going to be one of his prime targets along with Mike Evans. So we'll see how that goes next year. Uh, I think that he still will play at a good level. I think that he'll play for two more years, but I don't know. I'm not going to bet against him going until he's past 45 because I learned the hard way not to bet against Brady. I'm not betting against him. I'm just saying that the mental grind of things. When it, say if you win a Super Bowl or two in the next couple of years, you've all, you're the undisputed goat, and you're getting older. I just don't know if your body will be willing to take that punishment again and again and again until you're past forty five years of forty five years old. I think he can play. He has two more years left, in my opinion. I think he can play till he's forty five, and then after he's successful, and after he's done everything. I think he can just hang it up. So I just don't know if he's willing to take that grind again because that's easier to say that I want to play until I'm past 45 because of of you winning back to you winning a Super Bowl. But we'll see how this goes. It depends on how the body feels. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna say that he's gonna play until he's 45. Until he's after 45, that's kind of a stretch. But I do think he can play until he's 45 years old. Okay. So now, uh, coming into the next segment, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to get Sam Tanaglia, the host of the Waldron Deck Tailgate Podcast, and we're going to discuss a bunch of topics, including the, the Super Bowl, and we're going to be discussing the Bears, uh, the Carson Wentz to the Bears deal. Don't go anywhere. This is the Off the Dome Podcast. Welcome back to another segment of the Off the Dome Podcast. Thanks for listening to the first hour of how me um, eating crow and and admitting I was wrong about Tom Brady. So now I'm going to bring in another guest to talk to about the Super Bowl so I cannot just express the pain by myself, but just also talk about it therapeutically with a good friend of mine from school, a guy that we were on the same, uh, in the same class where we went to different venues with, RST180. It's an, for those that you know that know. And... And a good buddy of mine, um, who ha- he who hosts the podcast, the Waldron Deck Tailgate Podcast. If I said that correctly, Sam Tenaglia. Sam, thanks for uh, joining. 
Yeah, thanks, Matt. Actually, our podcast just changed its name. Now we're the we are called the Windy City Wire podcast. The Windy City it Wire. It's more uh, Chicago sports, not just the Bears. My my mistake. The Windy City Wire podcast. That that that's great job rebranding it. That that's very good. So about last night. <laughs> So I'm. This was maddening to me that a 43 year old in his first year in Tampa Bay in a brand new system got pushed out the door in New England and won a Super Bowl. In your opinion, from what you've said, from what you've seen, is this Tom Brady's greatest accomplishment he's ever had in his entire career? I don't think it's his greatest accomplishment, but this just shows how he is the best quarterback of all time, in my opinion, um, seven championships. That means Mahomes, I think Tony Romo was saying it, Mahomes is going to have to get to probably eight Super Bowls to even maybe tie or pass Mahomes now. So think about that. That's a lot of Super Bowls he's going to have to get to. Brady's in a really – he's looking in, uh, from the top. He's looking down from the top. Uh, he's in a great spot, and he played. I mean, he didn't play the best game, but I think the Bucks are just overall they're a perfect team. Um, they had a lot of good weapons, and the defense looked just stout yesterday. Mahomes was running. I think he ran 495 yards, like away from sacks or pressures yesterday. Wow! Most by like a quarterback who was on ESPN stats or something. So 495 yards scrambling yesterday. This I, I said this earlier. I said you if you could say that Brady was the MVP and obviously he deserves it. But my two other MVPs for that game were Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich. Todd Bowles deserves an MVP or for himself if if you were allowed to, to allow coordinator to be an MVP because they brought so much good pre- so many pressures on on Mahomes. They did I think it was coverage or cover two or a man. They the first half they held Tyreek Hill to one catch. There that was an amazing what they were able to do and the disguises that came up for Tyreek Hill. Um, that was great and they got after Mahomes. They made like difficult for him. They, they made Mahomes uh, rush his throws. That was an amazing defensive showing, in, in my opinion. I mean, if, if I'm looking at the stats right now. Brady had 201 yards, which isn't anything jumping off crazy crazy off a page. Um, but he had a QBR, QBR of 82, pretty much. He only incompleted eight passes and three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, and that, he was only sacked once. You got to give credit to the offensive line, but Brady's just a smart player, and that's right. what I, I was talking to somebody. What makes him the best quarterback of all time? I'd have to say, obviously, his size, but I think his IQ is like off, like off the charts. I think he is one of the smartest quarterbacks. He probably works the hardest, um, studying film at five in the morning on Mondays or whatever. He works hard. Um, I think Brady is kept himself up through workout regiments, whatever, um, throughout his career. And he's at 43, he's winning Super Bowls, and he could do it again next year. So uh, it's crazy. Right. It's and, awesome. And also getting to Byron Leftwich, which I was going to mention, he called a great game too. I mean, whenever the when Spagnola dialed up some good defense, dialed up blitzes, they adjusted. They went to screen passes. You saw earlier in the game where Brady faked a play action and threw it a quick one to Gronkowski for the first touchdown of the game. And then the second one he had where he threw it into the end zone to Gronk, he mustered that up very well. 
and I think the thing in which I knew this would be insurmountable for the Chiefs was towards the end of the half, Andy Reid calling a timeout. Like, as much as I love Andy Reid, I think he's one of the greatest offensive minds ever. He He's never been the best at clock management. And that timeout, he gave Brady another chance, and there was a penalty in the end zone. I don't know if that should have been called, but he threw it. Then he, then he got another chance and threw it to A.B. for a quick strike. Brady loves to take shots before the half, and I just think in general, Leftowich and Brady called a great. Leftowich should called a great game as well. I would Leftowich and Bowles were the two yeah. other MVPs this game. No, I agree with you. That's a great point. I think um, Bowles he deserves a head coaching position. I, I mean, agree. When you go coach the Jets, it's not going to end up no. really good. Hopefully, for Salah this year, it'll be better. Um, but Bowles played, he just, his defensive scheme was awesome. He kind of, they were saying he abandoned the all-out blitz, and he just sent the defensive line to pressure. And it seemed like they were pressuring Mahomes every single play. They were back there, did Abakin Sue, like one, one and a half seconds, they were at Mahomes. He was running, scrambling. Um, and also, for Leftwich, he called a great game. But I'd also say, um, if Brady did not win the MVP for that, I'd say Devin White. Devin White, he's a stud. He's one of the best linebackers in yeah. the game. He's amazing. That whole defense is only going is young, and they're only going to get better. That's the scary part. Mm-hmm. Devin White, yeah. Shaq Barrett, uh, uh, Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr. Oh my God, he's he's. I know people face pays too much attention to Chase Young, but. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. is overlooked. I th- and they, he kind of, I think, saved the Bucks season that game against New Orleans when the Saints were up seven and Brees completed that pass to Jared Cook and then Antoine Winfield pulled the peanut Tillman and ripped it out. That that was the turning point, I think. I think the Bears could have got him in the draft, right? We took Komet over him? Yes. In the second round? Yes. That was a yeah. shame. We're going to talk more about the Bears a little, a little later in, yeah. when I have you on. No, but, but Antoine Winterfield throwing up the deuces at Tyreek Hill. That was, uh, I like that. I was talking to my friends about that. They're like, oh, that was like class, like classless. Like, I mean, I, 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 I normally like, – I normally, Tyreek did it yeah. to him earlier in the season. Yeah, that's, that was a comeback move. Yeah, I, I just said I normally don't condone that. But from what Tyreek did with the deuces sign and the backflip – in the end zone, which I could also say was a turning point in the Bucks season, how they won eight straight after that. I mean, that was a little disrespectful, and Andy Reid didn't like what he did after. So I, I, I normally don't condone that, but I, I think Antoine Winfield had every right to do that. Oh, yeah, I agree. 100%. It's just a really great showing by the Buccaneers. No, the, the, the Bucks defense was phenomenal. And, mm-hmm. and I, this is what do you think of this argument? I want to hear your, your take on this. So I liken Brady to the athlete that I talk to that everyone knows I talk about, LeBron, in a sense that wherever they go, they are the system. Like how Brady thought he was the system, in New, that how he was part of a great system in New England, but when he went to Tampa, he proved that he was the system. Like LeBron, how people thought, oh, he was in a great situation in Miami, he won a ring with Cleveland, and he won a ring with the Lakers. So I think that these two, in my opinion, are the greatest athletes as far as ever as far as they are the system wherever they go would you agree that 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 Brady and LeBron are the best the system athletes like they are the system wherever they go is that would you think that's a fair statement to make yeah I I, 
I agree with you. I think that in that sense, LeBron is kind of more of his own system kind of player right. than Michael Jordan was. Because Jordan had Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. You think about that. Phil Jackson ran a great scheme or whatever, play calling for it in the NBA. Um, but he ran a great offense. And I think LeBron, wherever he goes, he runs his own system. He kind of does his own thing. And Tom Brady does too. So, yeah, I would say that probably LeBron runs his own system best for the NBA players, and then Brady does for football. I'd agree. I got to talk about this because everyone loves hyping this up and talking about this as a storyline, Brady versus Belichick. I personally think, I just mentioned this It's uh, b- before I had you on, that it's very unfair to just all of a sudden just, just, write, just write the system, off, just write Belichick off as – as the um, as it was, it was all because of Brady and had nothing to do with Belichick. I think that's a little unfair because you never know what Belichick. He might be a Super Bowl team next year. I don't know what the thing is going to be. But in your opinion, would you say would you say it's a would you say do you agree with the argument that it was mostly because of Brady, not because of Belichick, or do you think that? Or do you think, or do you think it's fair to say that Brady was the system and not because of Belichick? I personally think it's unfair, but what do you think? No, I think that um, Belichick is a great coach, and it was not just Brady. Brady's a big part of it, but if you thought about even looking at Belichick's team this year, right? Um, a bunch of defenders like said, "I'm not playing the season because COVID." And like Cam Newton's a bum; he's a wash; he's not that good, in my opinion. Um, and, like, they didn't really have, like, a stud running back or any studs. Like, they had Nikhil Harry and then, like, Julian Edelman. Like, Edelman's good, but you kind of need a good quarterback to throw it to him. And I guess a better quarterback than Cam Newton in my sense. So I think Belichick's a great regiment coach. He gets his players work, and he probably has his players working harder than most coaches. Um, and he's, he could be very successful without Brady. I don't, I don't give him any... Uh, I don't diminish his record at all because, uh, or with Brady, without Brady, he's still a great coach. Yeah, I, I agree. I will say this though, I do think he's got exposed not as a coach. I'm not. I'll never make that ignorant statement, but as more as a team builder the last couple years, like like when he Brady's last year in New England, people want to say Brady was was washed and over the hill. I think if Brady would have stayed in New England, you could have made that case. But think about the weapons he had to deal with. You just mentioned it, Mikhail Harry and Edelman, who led the league in drops. And and he was without Gronk that year. So, And he had a very little running game. So I, I'm not, I think that was also because Belichick had the ingredient and brought the bad groceries. But I'm just not going to just write... I'm just not going to just write Belichick off in that sense. I think maybe – I think he's on the hot seat, not as a coach, but as a personnel decision maker because it's the kind of is a little bit of pressure because after Tom winning the Super Bowl, there is a lot of pressure for Belichick to build another good team in New England, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, he's going to have to show – he, is, he still can do it without Brady, but I still am not saying, like, he's, like, the worst coach of all time. That's that's Brady. very unfair to just say that. That's yeah, stupid. Exactly. Now, before we get into the Bears talk, I want to talk, talk about the thing with Tyra Matthew and Tom Brady. Like, people say this, Tom Brady and the media and everything, he's just a, 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 a he seems like a, um, like, 
you know, a generic person, you know, cliche, Tom. Eh. But when he's in the, on the field, he's psycho Tom. Like when you ignite his button, he'll go after you. And I just want to know, like, do, what do you, what'd you think of that whole Tyra Matthew, Tom Brady exchange? I don't know. How, I, what, what'd you think of it? I think Tyran Matthew poked the sleeping bear. <laughs> uh, I think, um, I think Brady's a, one of the most competitive uh, athletes in all of history and sports history. I think um, his will to win is crazy high. Um, and he's, He's intense. He's an intense guy when he's on the field. He's going to make his guys do the things that are going to help the team win. And I think that's a that's what a leader does. Like you got to be mean sometimes, and you got to be intense to get what you want out of your guys. In my opinion, how, how um, did this start between? Like not, you're not supposed to be like mean, like cracking the whip all the time. But right. like you gotta say, hey guys, let's go. Step up here. You can't just be like lackadaisical. Right. Uh, turnover. Throw the clipboard on the sideline. He's intense, and that's why he's won a lot of football games. Right. Who who started this between the two? Um, Matthew was it Matthew that started it? Because like I think Matthew didn't like the fact that Bra- that Brady was throwing to him constantly, and I think maybe when he threw it low and when AB caught it, maybe he was and then he was still on AB. I think Brady took exception to that. I think that was more so at Brady, in my opinion. Like what what what? How did this start? I wasn't solely focused on that, to be honest with you, at the time. I just was so focused on what happened after, how they showed it, and how after AB threw, caught that touchdown. How did this start? I thought it was initially after a, one of the penalty calls close to the end zone. I think it was on Tyran. I think it's either that or I think maybe it was like an interception that got called back. I don't know. Yeah, that might have been it. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I think Tyran was the instigator. Um, but it, it was just funny watching the clips, um, the replays. Like Tyran would get in Brady's face and Brady would just like – he was walking off the sideline, but he followed – I ran up to, like, midfield and see, the logo and stuff. You see, I felt – I said this earlier before I had you on. I personally felt that both of them should have been flagged. Honey Badger, he deserved the flag. He should not have poked a finger at Tom. But Tom also deserved the flag because you can't just run up to another player and confront him like that. I think if you're going to do that, I think you should have both of them flagged, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, if Tom – well, yeah, if one guy got a flag and the other guy's still trying to talk to him and go at him, they should be both called. Um, you got to turn the other cheek if you want, like in that situation, he don't want a flag. And Tom didn't do that, so he should have got a flag, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. It, now, let's talk about the Bears because oh, I forgot to talk about this before because I was focused on the Super Bowl, and I'm sure that's what all the sports shows are going to be only talking about, the Super Bowl. But I'm going to talk about the Bears. So I've read the rumors that the Bears and Carson Wentz have an interest and they, they're going to trade, I've read this, I think Nick Foles and I think Anthony Miller and a first-round pick for Carson, for Carson Wentz. I, 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 ha, I have mixed thoughts about this. Before I get into that, Like, what were your thoughts when you heard this rumor? And do you think Carson Wentz will be the team to take the Bears to the next level? I can't believe I'm asking you this, but what are your thoughts on it? Uh, it's, I mean, there's a lot of points to this story. Um, yeah, the initial reports were there's one trade that's floating around that the Bears would give a first-round pick, Tyreek Cohen, or Tyreek Cohen. Um, that, that's scratched. I don't think... And, 
and then uh, Nick Foles. Those three things, those three whatever objects, to the Eagles for just Carson Wentz and like a third or fourth rounder or something. In my opinion, I don't want to give up a first round for Carson Wentz. Like, I don't think that's worth it after the terrible year he played. Uh, the stats I got written down, like, he had 15 interceptions and 50 sacks taken, which were the most in the NFL, and Carson Wentz didn't even play every single game last year. So I don't think there's positives to having him come to the Bears system, as John Filippo is our quarterback's coach, who used to be the coach, uh, a coach, I think, or maybe the quarterback's coach in Philly, um, and that he was the guy there, Carson Wentz's coach, when Carson Wentz had his best years. So maybe that's what Ryan Pace is thinking right now, reunite Wentz with his old quarterback coach, and then maybe he'll still be the same guy he was a few years ago. But if you think about it, do the Bears have a good offensive line? Are they ready to have Carson Wentz come in? Are you really risking throwing away a first-round pick when you could draft somebody like Mac Jones or possibly Trey Lance? Um or an offensive lineman, you might need that in the first round. They were taking, they were talking like Mayfield from Michigan. That's our projection right now. Um, or you could get like Kyle Trask in the second round. I don't know. I'm really not sure, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. What do you think about it? I have very mixed thoughts. I felt if if I could, if you could just come up, if you could describe my thoughts in one emoji, it'd be the meh emoji, in my opinion. I think Carson Wentz. I think I'm not. I'm not doubting his talent. I think he is very talented. I think he still is a great runner of the football. One of the best running quarterbacks in the game. I think he takes more risks than Mitch does by as far as throwing the ball deep down the field. I think as far as him between him and Mitch, I obviously Carson's better than Mitch, but it's a slight upgrade. I think Carson Wentz is in the second or third tier quarterback categories along the likes of a Jared Goff or a Derek Carr or or Baker in my opinion. So I think he's in that tier in my I think he's in that tier. I don't think he's a scrub, but I'm not gonna say it was all his fault last year. He was in a horrible toxic environment, the Eagles. They're a dumpster fire right now. And he was with probably the worst offensive one of the worst offensive lines in football along with the Bengals. So it wasn't all his fault. Yet, I'm not going to endorse him on it because Jalen Hurts made the most out of nothing with that offensive line. So, and Carson Wentz, people want to look at that one great year he had, the MVP year, where he had through 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The year he would have won MVP, if not for his torn ACL. But when you really look at it, that Eagles roster that year was so loaded that Nick Foles won with that roster. And so, and then the years after that, he... He was not – he was good, but he wasn't great. I think he's a minor upgrade from Mitch. I think that he is going to throw some bad – he will – in each game, he will throw some, some bad balls. He will turn the ball over because he, he – there was – he forced a lot of fumbles. I know that his offensive line was bad. I get it. But still, the turnovers were very inexcusable. I think he's a minor, more a more athletic version of Mitch, a better upgrade – but as far as if you were to ask me, is he better than Mitch? Yes, obviously he's better than Mitch. But as far as he the quarterback to take the Bears to the next level, along with this great defense that needs to win now and shouldn't be wasted, no, he's not the guy that's a championship caliber guy. I just don't think he's the kind of guy that I would want as a championship caliber quarterback. 
in my opinion. I, I don't know if you think that's fair or not. I mean, I'll give two points to you. I want you to respond. So I was talking to my friends. They think Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than a Derek Carr or a Sam Darnold. Uh, That's uh, one point. Okay, I I think he's... What would you need to give up to the Texans in, like, comparison to the Eagles to possibly get Deshaun Watson? Are they wanting, like, two first rounds? I think they want a second or a third for first round. over this Wentz. I think, they're gonna, I think they're going to want a Matthew Stafford-type deal. These these Eagles and the Texans, they want to build for the future, and they want a Matthew Stafford-type deal. Like what the what the Lions asked for, what was it? They asked for like two first-round picks or, or something like that. They wanted to build for the future too, and they, want, they knew that Matt Stafford, they wanted to part ways. They wanted both teams to be happy. So the Rams got their guy, they're happy, and the Lions, they're clearly building for the future. And the, in my opinion, and I think they have they have the potential to build a good future. I don't know how golf will be for them, but I clearly don't think he sh- that they expect him to be the long term answer in Detroit. I'm not gonna jump on that. And the Texans, that dumpster fire of an organization, from all the reports you've read, I, I, they're gonna want for at least two first rounds and at least two second round picks because it's freaking Deshaun Watson. I think the Eagles asking that much for Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is obviously not on Deshaun Watson's level. So I think the Bears don't have to give up so much for Carson Wentz. Maybe two first-round picks and maybe one second-round pick will do. I don't think they have to give up that much for Carson Wentz considering the year he had. But for Deshaun Watson, they would have to give up a king's ransom for him. Like the how Matthew Stafford did. So in my opinion... Even more probably for and more. Watson. And more for Deshaun Watson. I think they'd have to give up more for Deshaun Watson than they would for they would they will still would have to give up a good amount for Wentz, but not nearly the amount for Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Yeah, so Bears fans, if we do get him per se, Tariq Cohen and first round and Nick Foles, um, Bears fans are going to be upset. They're going to be like, "Oh, well, now we don't have another uh, first round pick again." I I but don't I mean like I I think that. Hey, maybe give Ryan Pace one more chance. If this doesn't work out with John DiFilippo and stuff, matching these two guys up, then you just get rid of everyone. This is like this is your last chance. Maybe everyone will like it. Maybe it'll I, turn out, but it might not. I will say this: I'm not going to rule out on Carson Wentz still being that that 2017 MVP caliber player with he is with the uh, with the Bears if we were to sign him. I'm not going to rule that out, but I'm not going to bank my future on Carson Wentz. I think – here's the thing. I think that Carson Wentz, he, he's I – think, I think he is better than Mitch. I'm not going to – I'm not going to think it's a horrible pick like a lot of people are making this out to be, but I'm not going to endorse it and say it's a Super Bowl caliber quarterback either. If you – and also uh, if I were – if we were to get him, I'd say they went around – Basically the same they were this year, eight and eight, nine and seven. I think that Carson will make take bigger risks, like I said, than Mitch will. I think he's definitely has more talent than Mitch, but I, he lacks the consistency on a weekly basis, in my opinion. I haven't looked into it. I wanted to ask you, what do you if do you know how much this would cost us to get Wentz's contract over? I think it. I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to it. Yeah. I think it'd be a good amount, um, and that is something you have to debate too. But what, before the Bears do anything, they have to look into the draft and be like, okay, so what? How are we looking with our? I think we're the twentieth pick. 
Um, I think yeah, we're the twentieth pick. Like, do you right. think we can get one of these quarterbacks? And do you really want a Trey Lance or a Mac Jones? I would like a Mac Jones. I think he'd be good. But Carson, I I think I think. I think Mac Jones would be good. He was unbelievable for Alabama. He was great. People want to look at Devontae, Devontae Smith and that roster, but, but, but Mac Jones was incredible too. And also, I'm not going to rule out on Carson Wentz. I think he could be in a similar situation with Tannehill, with the, with the Dolphins and the Titans. Tana, people thought Tannehill sucked and with the Dolphins. People thought he'd be terrible with the Titans. Well, granted, I know Tannehill's obviously in a great situation, but Tannehill was quietly one of the better quarterbacks in the league this year. He was like a top seven quarterback this year. He was great. He yeah. thirty three touchdowns, seven picks. He was awesome. And I'm not gonna rule that out that scenario with Carson Wentz. I think he's more that by far more talented than Ryan Tannehill. But he does again. He's not as consistent as Ryan Tannehill is. So that's gonna be very interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. And I think Bears just have to look at risk reward situations. If you're going to give up these picks and these players, is that going to be more worth it than just drafting a Mac Jones or somebody in the draft and still keeping those guys too? So they're going to have to weigh the the things. But yeah, it's a possibility that he could turn into a Ryan Tannehill. Um, but then there's also the, the the he could turn into a flop. You never know. So right. it'll be an idea to watch, and we'll see how uh, it plays out over the next few weeks. And the Colts might still get him too. Right. You never know. Right. Well, it's also going to be interesting to see how we do with at with the with the situation regarding a Rob because he's gonna want more more want he's gonna want more money. I don't think we're gonna give him the money he deserves. I think that we're probably gonna lose him. Anthony Miller, I'd be fine losing him. He wasn't that great last year, so I think that there's a, there is some options available. I think Chris Godwin's available. He's definitely going to be available. I, I think it's likely he'll leave Tampa because of the money situation. Tampa, they already have plenty of great wide receivers. So they have Mike Evans. They have A.B. They have Cameron Bray, Gronk, and they're getting O.J. Howard back next year. So they already have that good of a team next year. So I don't think it's that it's that big of a loss. He's been great. Don't get me wrong. He was He's one of the quietly one of the more un- – I wouldn't say underrated, but he's definitely one of the more low-rated receivers. He's been great this year. I think he'd be great for the Bears. I think he was better last year than he was this year, which might that's obviously he might be less expensive. Obviously, and Brady had developed before AB. He developed a great relationship with Scotty Miller, and and they were great together. And he has Gronk. He has he has all these weapons. He has everything. So I don't think he. Uh I think he'd be obviously mad that he he to lose Godwin because of the championship, but I I don't think he would be overly upset about it, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, we'll see how expensive and what uh, Godwin is going to want from contracts. Right. Is that going to be over what Allen Robinson's going to get or want? So. Right. Um. Sam Tanaglia that from the uh, Windy City Wire podcast now uh, joining joining the Off the Dome podcast. Sam, thank you so much for joining, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you for having me as always, Matt. Thank you. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. I'll see you guys next time. Go get them.